right, well, we are in a series called The Organic Life, and we're just finishing it up. And what we've been talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. And if you um, uh, want to go back on the app, we have all the sermons. Uh, so if you're thinking, man, I, I'd like some more peace in my life, you can go back and look at that sermon. If you want more joy or whatever, we, we've talked about all the uh, fruit of the Spirit. They're very simple. Love, joy, peace, patience. You probably have to go look back at that one. I have to. Uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Last week, we talked about self-control. And this week, we're going to talk about self-control. So let me, uh, this is part, part two. So we're going to do a quick review of last week, and then we're going to go into some things. I have one little caveat. I'm going to be mentioning some mistakes that people have made in their life and some things that have cost them, okay? If you've made those mistakes, I am not coming after you. I'm not bringing up your story since I know most of you. Um, your life, part of your life may just be, and don't take this wrong, a warning to others about being able to control your appetites. So we're going to be talking about that. So don't feel like I'm coming after you if I mention uh, the thing that kind of got you mired up for a little time in life. Okay. So what we talked about last week is this. No matter what you do, there will be a future you. No matter what you do. So if you're in your uh, early 20s, you, if, assuming, you, you know, nothing tragic happens, you're going to be a 40-year-old you. And all the decisions you made that you were responsible for are going to culminate in 40-year-old you. I'm 55. I'm hoping there'll be a 75-year-old me. It's not guaranteed, but I'm hoping there will be. The decisions I make at 55, there will be a future me. How I spend my money. How I treat my body. How I deal with my finances, all these different things. No matter what you do, whether you plan real well or don't plan at all, there will be a future you. So we talked about that last week. The other thing we talked about last week is this. Discipline is choosing between what we want now, which is our appetites. Our appetites are always now and more. Now and more. I don't know if you're good at this, but if I finish a bowl of ice cream... I want more ice cream, okay? My appetite says now and, and more. So discipline is saying, you know what? I'm going to refrain from now in order to affect future me, what I want most. So we ended with three things. We're going to go over those real quick, and then we'll get into one of the greatest stories in the Bible you've ever heard. If you're new to the Bible, this is just awesome. Okay. Three things to give control to Jesus. Because what we talked about is self-control is really allowing Jesus to have control. That's self-control. Self-control is aligning your life in a way that the principles and systems of the Bible, you adapt to that rather than the Bible or, or uh, God's um, will for your life adapting to you or I. Self-control is just giving Jesus control. And so there's just three things we need to do to, in order to make this happen. The first is to stop lying to ourselves. I call them scales. You can call them whatever. But when you step on the scale, the scale doesn't go, hey, don't show the real number. They've been really trying hard. <laughs> you know, they're new at this. Just encourage them a little. No. The scale goes, hey, guess what? 
It starts with a two, bro. There's, that's, that's all there is to know, okay? I don't want it to start with a two. It starts with a two. You know, figure, figure that out, right? That's, those are scales. Stop lying to yourself. You say, well, you know, somebody says, man, you're really hard on your kids. No, I'm all about excellence and I want the best for them. No, you're embarrassed by them and you get your identity on how they perform. Be honest with yourself. Stop lying to yourself. That's the first thing, okay? Those are scales. Second thing, prioritize what you value most. In other words, align your life under the authority of Scripture, Okay, what you want most, if I talk to anybody, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're brand new to the Bible, you've probably understood, you know, there's something, I, I need to like change my life. I need to get more peace. Remember this fruit of the Spirit. That's just aligning your life with the steps of the Spirit, prioritizing what you want most. You can't say, I really love my kids, and then spend your entire career away from home prioritize what you want most. Those are systems, the systems you create in life. And then finally, don't do it alone. I, I put Sherpas there because it had to start with S because when you're a pastor, everything needs to uh, start with the same letter. Uh, don't do it alone. Get, get people who've gone before you. Get people who, have, uh, who want to travel with you or are in the same place in your journey and then bring somebody else along with you as you navigate what those things are. And those are just three very easy things Stop lying to yourself. Just be honest. You have an addiction. Just own it, okay? Prioritize what you value most and don't, don't do it alone. All right. So it's kind of odd being a pastor. Uh, I was in, as you know, I was in business for 16 years before I became a pastor. And there were lots of things I really liked about that. I liked the competition of it. I liked winning accounts. I liked uh, making money. I liked Christmas bonuses. I liked all those. I liked travel uh, and stay in nice places. I liked all that. That was great. And I don't, I, I, I miss part of it, but if you ask me, John, would you ever go back? No. This is my calling. My calling is to be a shepherd. That's who I am. It's my identity. And I've been doing that for the same amount of time I was in business. But there's something very, very odd about being a pastor that's different than almost any other line of work is I get to see firsthand the trajectory of people's lives. And oftentimes I get to see firsthand decisions they've made and the outcomes of those decisions. That's why a lot of times you'll hear me speak and I'll sound old fashioned, right? Because it's like, oh man, you still believe that part of the Bible? Yes, I do. Because I have seen firsthand people living a life outside of the authority of Scripture, and I've seen where that ends. Here's the other thing I've noticed as a shepherd. I've noticed that the people who promote the bad decisions in your life, you know, Maybe you're in college and you're in part of a fraternity and they're like, go, 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 right? Those people, they're never around for the outcome. They never carry you through the bad parts of those decisions. The person who says, you know what, she's not good for you, you know, uh, you married her and she doesn't care about you and you just need to follow your heart. And you know what, if you need to get into another relationship, if you need to divorce that person and get into another, then you go ahead. And then when all the wheels fall off and your kids don't respect you and the whole thing goes to 
trash. <laughs> Woo! Almost went back into business there, didn't I? Huh? And it all goes, where are they? They're never there for you. So that's what I notice. And I see it through everything. I see it through personal conversations. I see it through many times during the day I'm on five different text conversations just navigating through life. That doesn't mean I'm special. It doesn't mean anything. It's just that I see the end of the decisions and I walk people through their bad decisions every single week. And it can be heartbreaking because while your sin can be redeemed and it can be every last drop of it if you say john i i'm so sinful there's no way i came back into church i thought i was going to get struck by lightning and it didn't happen right that can all be redeemed but some of the decisions we make while our sin may be covered over where we end up cannot be and for some of you, you're in a situation now, not even because of your appetite, but because of someone else's appetite. Someone else's sexual appetite lost your marriage. Somebody else's appetite for power lost your job. Somebody else's appetite for attention lost some relationships. Some people's appetite to medicate and to escape and to get away lost some friendships for you. Some people's appetite for, for um, finances, for money. Maybe you lost, your, you don't have a mom or dad that are together because one of them had an appetite that couldn't be satiated. And here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. We're going to see in the example of scripture. No appetite can be satiated. Their appetites, they keep coming. They can be mitigated. They can be navigated, but they can't be removed. We all have appetite for food, appetite for sex, appetite for power, for attention, for love, for all these different things. Some of you, the position you are in life right now is solely because of your family of origin. You just grew up in a jacked up home. And they had appetites to be number one, to be right all the time. And you knew when you got into an argument with one of those parents or a sibling or whatever, you knew it's no use. They just have to be right. And it scarred you. So what we're going to look at this morning is just a warning in the Bible. That's what this is. It's just a warning. And then we're going to have chili afterwards. So this is a story of Esau, okay? So to give you an idea, like a lot of narratives in the Bible, it was hard for Rebecca and Isaac to have kids. And so they came very late. They were promised by God, and then they came. And uh, as we'll see in a little bit, uh, Rebecca had twins. And so first of all, women, anyone, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you carry one baby in your body, but two, yeah, it's the reason you're doing it and not men. Because I would be like, ah, I don't know. So she's got twins, right? And they're wrestling around in there. And they're boys, okay? So here's what happens. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out was red. The Bible is so cool. You guys got to read your Bible. He came out red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, which, by the way, just so you know, means he was very spiritual and wonderful <laughs> and honored by God. 
I just want you to know that. Yes, I love Esau. All right, the whole body was hairy like a garment, like pastor. Okay, so they named him Esau, okay? After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, okay? In other words, get back in here. I want to come out first, okay? We won't get into the biology of it all, but that's what was happening. So with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them, okay? So dad was, uh, his tray table and seat were in the upright position. He's landing the plane, okay? So um, the boys grew up, and Esau became a, look, I'm 55. I, I wasn't ageism, okay? I was making fun of myself. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter. Uh, you can just begin to see this family dynamic a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. So if we went to old school language, like when I grew up, it would be a man's man and a mama's boy, right? Okay, that would be what we would, the terminology we would have used when I was a kid. We don't use that terminology anymore, whatever. But that's kind of what it was. So you can see already there's some tension there. And if you've ever had a brother, I have an older brother. He's seven years older than me. Um, I'm making it to heaven just because of that. Like, I deserve good things because I had a brother seven years older than me who tormented me. When I was seven, he was 14. Just think about that, okay? I'll give you one quick story, and he's probably watching. He threw me down the stairs in a suitcase, okay? So there we go. He good? And further, just since we're talking about family of origin, he ended up with all the money, he has a PhD from MIT. He got everything. I get like a couple humorous quotes sometimes. That's it. All right. Isaac, the dad, had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. There's a problem, isn't there, that you can see. All of, all of you have been in odd families of origin. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was called kindergarten. I remember it. Yep. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew or some chili, award-winning chili by the pastor, Esau came in from the open country famished. Now, here we, here we are. This is the first thing that happens with our appetites. They're real. Your appetite to be right is a real appetite. Your appetite for companionship is a real appetite. Your appetite for food is a real appetite. All of our appetites, every single one of them, was created by God. Even our sexual appetite was created by God. It's distorted by sin, but it was created by God. And they're powerful. And oftentimes, this is one of the reasons why we fast, is we address the appetite and then we turn towards our Heavenly Father. Fasting is just a reminder of how powerful our flesh is. And so we use that physical reminder to enter into prayer, to enter into the Word, to enter into a time of reflection, okay? So that's where we are. So he's famished. This is a real thing. He's really hungry. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. All correct. That's why he was also called Edom, which just means red. I don't know. It's like, I, I don't know. You know how nicknames work. I won't even tell you mine growing up. But I wasn't getting any of those toys in elementary school for like doing good behavior. All right. Jacob replied, listen to this. First, sell me your birthright. 
what? Well, I'll explain what's happening. I'm a younger brother. Younger brothers never get power, ever. But when they do, <laughs> they're going to milk it for as much as they possibly can. There might be two times in my life where I had the upper hand over my brother, maybe two. I went all out. Because you never know when you're going to get that chance again. This is Jacob. He just goes for the thing. Now, to understand what's happening right now, a birthright would give Esau double the inheritance. So let's say I have got two kids and my house is worth $300,000, right? It's the 70s. Anyway, uh, so I die. Uh, my, my, it's divided up between my kids. My youngest kid would get $100,000. My, my, my oldest kid would get $200,000. Double whatever the other person got. That's what's at stake. He's hungry and he's willing to lose his birthright. Not only that, the person who had the birthright became the judge of the family later on in life when the parents left. So if there was, in this case, there was a bunch of different sons and daughters and all that kind of stuff. When there was a problem with the land. Usually it was a land issue or the business or whatever. The oldest would be the judge of that. So who in their right mind, honestly, would give up that for a bowl of stew? I would. I would. And you would. And lots of people I meet with all throughout my week would because they failed to see the connection between what I want now and what I want most. And so we do these little things. We just have a little conversation with that person at work that we're attracted to because they, they, they listen and, and she at home, she doesn't listen or he doesn't listen, but they do. And that's all. That's all it is. We're just talking is there something in the Bible that says we can't talk? Is there anything, something in the Bible that says I can't? No, no, we're just talking. And then it goes to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And then you find out it's too late. We'll see that in a second. First, sell me your birthright. Now here's what happens with, another thing that happens with appetites. We overstate their importance almost all the time, at least I do. When I'm hungry or thirsty or hangry, I am just like, it's all about me, all about right now, and it's way worse than I really think it is, right? In America, if you're hungry, you know, we just think, oh my goodness. When there's other countries where that's Tuesday, I mean, that's just all the time there's this constant hunger. Here's what he says, look, I'm about to die. Come on, man. I'm a, you're about to die you're about to die. I hear it all the time. People in relationships, married couples. He hates me. He does. Like he really hates you. Like she never listens to me. Really? Never? Right? Ah, there's, but those appetites are so strong. He says, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? Like, it's right now. Like, I need this now instead of when I get older. What good is that birthright to me? But Jacob, 
knowing, oh yeah, I got it. Swear to me first. Let me tell you something. This is just your pastor talking to you. I get very upset about this stuff. There will always be someone to take advantage of your inability to control your appetite. There will always be someone there willing to take advantage of your inability to control your appetite. There'll be, if you have an appetite for power, there'll be someone there that'll take advantage of it, that'll use you to make sure they get their things done. You want to look at any a big example? Congress, okay? They have appetites we can't keep sustaining. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll feed them. There'll be somebody there. If you have an overactive sexual appetite and you can't control it through pornography or whatever it is, there'll be someone there to take advantage of that. If you have an appetite for money, you want money. There'll be someone who'll, who'll let you work 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week. Absolutely, there's someone who'll do that. They'll take advantage of that and you'll get the money and you'll feel great. Your kids, you won't know your kids, but hey, that's way down the line. I need the money now. I'm famished now. You see it with people who haven't used their money wisely throughout their whole life. Again, like I said, I'm just coming up with examples. These are examples I see all through the years. They haven't done that, so they take what little investment they have, what little retirement they have, and they try to do a quick win on something, and it's all gone because there will always be someone there to take advantage of your inability to control your time, your money, your body, whatever. All right. So, he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Ah. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. I, 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 I kept reading different commentaries on this, but this is the first time in this story, in this narrative, that we find out it was lentils. I'm not selling nothing for lentils. <laughs> like, I kind of read that. I'm like, did, did Jacob, like, switch with lentils when he had, because the red stew seems like meat to me. Like, that's why we have 10 red stews out there, right? I don't know what happened. I'm, we'll need a Bible. We have a Bible scholar here. We have several of them. I'll ask them. But this is the problem that's so, that hurts me so much as a shepherd. He ate and drank and he got up and he left. That one decision, that one thing, he might not even have thought about it. We do it all the time. I, I know people, their alcoholism started right the day they joined that fraternity. I am not against fraternities. I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm not anything. But there was a time, a decision I, I, I'm around pastors all the time and I read stories about pastors and, they, uh, and many of them fail. Many of them, they lose their job, their marriage, their ministry, their calling, and their community because they could not control their appetite. And it happens and that immediate appetite is satiated and everything is gone and they can't get it back. This is what happens. He gets up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. You say, despised? That's a big word. It's a Hebrew word. 
He just couldn't make the connection. And most of what self-control is, is just making the connection between what you want now with a powerful appetite, because they are powerful, and what you want most. Making that connection. So we're going to spend just two minutes going over a section of Hebrews that talks about Esau. But if I could go to Esau back then, I say Esau, 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 whoa, 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 hold on. I know that stew's good. It's not award-winning chili like Pastor John's, but I know it's, I know it's good. <laughs> Actually, I've never made, this is the first time I've ever made chili, so who knows what it tastes like. But, but Esau, Esau, let me tell you something. Um, what's going to happen is you're going to have 12 sons. And, and they're going to become Israel. And they're going to go through a period of time, 400 years, where they're in captivity. But then this guy named Moses is going to come. And when God visits Moses, he's going to say this. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Just don't eat stew. That's all you have to do. Don't have the bowl of stew. Don't talk to that coworker. Don't have that drink. Don't smoke that thing. Don't click on that. Because you have no idea what God has planned for you. Esau. You'd be, it would be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But you had to have stew. You had to have that conversation. You had, to, you had to invest in this because you were going to make this big, great one-time swing and you're going to have all that money. And every time there's someone there to take advantage of your inability to control your appetite. Here's what Hebrews says. No discipline, for the, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, <laughs> but painful, right? We all know that. All discipline. You go to the gym... Is it pleasant? Yeah, that's why we don't go. Wow, that was fast. Okay, that's somebody who goes to a gym, uh, right? All discipline. You, you go, you're watching your carbs. First of all, I don't know why God made carbs. They're so wonderful, but it, you can't eat them all. So you're, you're, you, you want, oh, I want that other bowl of ice cream. I want this little thing. All discipline for the moment, the writer of Hebrews says, but painful. Later on, however, your future self, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And here's what he says. Therefore, create systems in your life. Navigate your life. Assess your life. Get people around you to speak into your life. Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. And make level paths for your feet. He's quoting in Proverbs right now. Make level paths for your feet. In other words... Listen, when you make level paths for your feet, all you're doing is creating an environment that's safe. That's all that means. Create a, self, a safe environment in your house. If you struggle with something, get rid of it. Make, make it straight for your paths. Don't try to navigate around all this stuff. So that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And he goes on, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble for many. 
Bitterness just comes from the fact that you didn't have uh, your needs met at the time you thought. Okay, somebody did something to you, it either messed up an appetite or whatever, but it just, it got in the way, and so bitterness grows up. Now watch what he says. See that uh, no one is sexually immoral. Again, sexuality, of course, in our culture, is like, hey, as long as it's two consenting adults, and the Bible is really old-fashioned and rigid, until you watch people's lives play out, and then you go, hey, you know what? God actually might have a, a, a thing here, right? So that's all, that's all the writer's saying, that in this particular area, God's way turns out to be the better way. Or is godless like who? Esau. That bowl of chili who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, he wanted to inherit this blessing and he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. My point for this morning, as the Tanner comes back up and leads us, is this. For some of you, it's not too late. Some of you I know, and that's why I started out the sermon going, I'm not beating down on you. You look back and you go, there's no way I can make up that financial loss. I made a mistake. I tried to get too much too fast. And I apologize for that. And I'm not beating you down for that. But, it, might, but it, it could be too late for some of you. For some of you, in a relationship with a spouse, maybe you've gone over the line too many times and it's just too late. And I'm sorry for that. But there are others watching here with us. It's not too late. You're just starting out life. You're just starting out being an adult. Get those appetites under control because there'll always be someone there to take advantage of you when you can. So a couple quick announcements before we, well, you go ahead and stand for the blessing. So we'll have uh, some servers in there. We got chili chips, uh, some salad uh, as well, and some little dressing things for your chili. So you can do that. Uh, you can, we have little tasting spoons. So if you want to taste all of them, go, go ahead. Uh, for those of you who are our uh, judges, don't let anyone know you're a judge because they'll try to, you know what I'm saying? I'll try to. All right. Just on a personal note, uh, I had mentioned being in business and all that kind of stuff, but I do want to verbalize how honored I am to be your pastor, to be called your pastor. It is a real gift to be able to actually make a living doing ministry. That is uh, a high honor, and you guys make it possible. I just really want to tell you that I appreciate you. And uh, I appreciate the safe place that you have created um, that we get to minister in. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that. So I don't want to go, well, okay. I wasn't looking. Save it for my chili. Okay. And now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his strength, in his joy, in his peace, and in his discipline. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you inside.